<laughs> so welcome, Fritz. Is that, that's how you say your what? name, right? Fritz. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, so we're just going to hit the ground running because we have 40 minutes. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're just going to get into it. Um, sounds good. Go, okay, great. Great. Fritz, do you like to be called Fritz or do you like the professor more? <laughs> uh, it's fine. Fritz is fine. I, I created an alter ego, you know, uh, you know, I used to be a professor and then I created an alter ego when I started creating these cocktail videos, but it's fine. You, you can just call me Fritz. We can totally <laughs> call you professor too. <laughs> that's okay. I feel that's a little too egotistical. I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, so <laughs> So I think I'm going to introduce you with your name and then then call you professor because I like it. Okay, <laughs> I do like the professor too. I was hoping to be able to call you professor. Okay. The whole you know what? I, I, I should get my. You take away your choice in this. <laughs> okay, welcome everyone to the Miss Art World podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, I have my wonderful co-host Samuel Cooksey with Samuel Cook. Cooksey project. Uh, Samuel has his own podcast, so please check that out on his Instagram, Samuel Cooksey. Is it project, project on yep. Instagram too? Yeah. Okay. The you, name you... goes across the universe. Okay. <laughs> you don't have your Samuel Cooksey Instagram anymore. It's Samuel Cooksey. No, I still have Samuel Cooksey Instagram. Oh, okay, so you can find you on both. You can find me on both. You type in Samuel Cooksey, I should pop up somewhere. Okay. Um, and today we also are joined by Fritz Costa, who uh, we are going to call Professor throughout this whole uh, podcast. Welcome, Professor. Well, hello. <laughs> um, and so you, go ahead. You said you started off as a professor. What, what did you teach? I taught anatomy and physiology and molecular bio. Okay. Yeah. At uh, high school or? I, I did uh, college. College, okay. Yes, 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 yes. So I did that for six years and then 2008 kind of hit and um, the hours were kind of dwindling and tenure positions weren't as, you know, prevalent anymore. So I had to make a, uh, a career change and left academia and went into industry okay yeah so then what, what you... made you get into art oh well so uh let's see we when when i got married my wife um uh, booked our honeymoon i wasn't even involved and you know she chose tahiti some exotic destination right and i went to tahiti and of course it was beautiful like we expected but i really kind of fell in love with their culture you know that that polynesian uh arts and crafts and all that stuff and then um so when we came back from the honeymoon i just just started getting obsessed and started researching about polynesian art and then a buddy of mine goes hey if you like that you might want to try this bastardized version called polynesian pop art and i'm like all right what's that and then I, I got introduced to that world and I discovered artists like Shag, uh, Tim Biscop, and, you know, collecting tiki mugs. I didn't know that Polynesian pop culture was popular here in the 50s and the 60s. It, it was just a rabbit hole. Then I, I just got sucked into to all of that. So that's how I got into art. 
Okay. Do you do any art on your own? No, no, no. I am a, uh, a frustrated artist. That's why I have such a great appreciation for artists because I know how difficult that is, you mm -hmm. know, to create. <laughs> well, and we're here um, to talk about your book, uh, The Lives of Lowbrow Artists, Volume 1. So I'm assuming yes. there's more volumes to come. Volume 2 is in the works. Good. <laughs> Tell us about your book. Oh, so anyway, uh, how about this? Let's start, let me answer your question by asking you guys a question. Have you guys heard of Georgia Vasari? No. I have not. Okay, don't feel bad, neither did I. <laughs> so uh, when 2008 hit and um, I wasn't getting any more teaching jobs, I decided to switch to industry and you know, Silly me, I'm thinking, oh, anyone would love to hire me. I have like scientific papers published. I, you know, worked on this drug and turns out no one wanted to talk to me, right? So then I kind of went to this like deep depression and then my wife suggested, hey, just, you know what? Your job right now is stop looking for a job. Just do something fun. So I decided to write an art blog, Lowbrow Literati. And, um, and then so what happened was uh, that blog turned into a book. And then my cousin who kind of helped me with the website, uh, she spent a semester in Europe. And uh, she goes, hey, you know what? I took this semester in Europe class and we, you know, I was a Renaissance class and your blog reminds me of George Vasari. And I said, who's Georgia Vasari? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, oh, they used his textbook. He must be some kind of PhD from UCLA or Harvard or something. Uh, when I Googled him, turns out Georgia Vasari was alive during the Renaissance. Okay. And so actually this is his, his book. It's called The Lives of Artists. And everything we know about the Renaissance artists like Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, was because of George Vasari, and he was the first art historian. Hmm. Okay, oh. and and uh, and I'm like, when I started reading his book, I'm like, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just doing it for this movement, right? Um, so I set out to interview five artists. Um, took me a long time. Took me eight years to <laughs> to interview people and write their stories. So I interviewed uh, Josh Agle, also known as Shag, Tim Biscop, Miles Thompson, uh, Derek Yaniger, and Brandy Milne. And did you just contact them and say, hey, I'm writing this book, I wanna interview you? Like, uh, yeah, it, it, it was seriously a lot of cold calls, a, a lot of cold calls. And it wasn't even a, a book back then, it was just a blog. Right. So then I would like call the email these people saying, hey, you know, I have this blog. I'd like to interview you. And, you know, no one, <laughs> no one really bit uh, until someone did. And, and Tim Biscop was the first one to bite. And, you know, I have to thank him because after him, the doors kind of opened. Uh, other people were more, you know, willing to talk to me. I'm not going to say it's easier, but at least they were willing to talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, and then by the third interview, I'm like, you know what? What I'm doing here is a book. 
uh, it's best as a book rather than a blog. So then I took everything off of the web and then, you know, now the book is out. So why lowbrow? Ah, well, so uh, lowbrow was coined by um, its, its godfather. His name is uh, Robert Williams. And uh, do you guys remember the Guns N' Roses uh, debut album, Appetite for Destruction? Yes. Do you guys remember the album cover? No, I actually... You know, oh, yeah, so the album cover that most people remember is a skull and crossbones. It's a skull okay. and then it has, uh, uh, sorry, it's a cross with the five skulls of the band members, right? But mm -hmm. that's actually the inside cover. The outside cover, uh, and I'll let your viewers uh, and listeners uh, Google it, uh, is a very disturbing image. It's, uh, it's, it's painted by Robert Williams, and the name of the painting is called Appetite for Destruction. Uh, the band got so much heat for that cover that Geffen Records actually um, uh, put it on the inside and changed the cover. Uh, and, and because of that, it, it, you know, it was, Robert Williams called it lowbrow art because he came from the comic background. He was an underground comic artist. And then just kind of on a lark, he said, the lowbrow art of Robert Williams thinking it wasn't going to stick and it turns out it did mm -hmm. right um the people have kind of tried to um uh make it fancier by calling it pop surreal uh or pop pluralism uh which is fine they're they're synonymous to me uh but you know there's something guttural about the word lowbrow, uh, it, it's it's almost insulting, right? Kind of mm. like the Impressionists, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when the Impressionists were called Impressionists, that was not a compliment to them. That was a put down to them, right? But mm. the name stuck. So I think I kind of like the derogatory name lowbrow, uh, but I can I can live with both. Because lowbrow artists, um, when they were first coming out and making art, it wasn't considered fine art, right? That was- Absolutely, mm -hmm. right? If you are a cartoon artist, cartoon art is low, right? Uh, uh, abstract expressionism, that's high, right? Um, if you're a, an illustrator, an animator, right? You don't paint that stuff on canvas, that's low art. Although there's nothing low about the technique, it might, the subject matter might be low, but, there's nothing low about the technique, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of how new um, styles are birthed with uh, people not thinking or considering it to be art. And then ah, yeah. other people are like, no, this is art. And so yeah, there's I mean, controversialness to exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, how many people, you know, brushed off Warhol when, it, when they looked at his screen prints and it's like, is that really art? I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's just mass produced, you know, screen prints, uh, or or street art, right? Uh, right now, that's kind of where we're at. Like, well, can't anyone do that? But then, when you hear that word, can't anyone do that? Usually down the road, that's the one that <laughs> becomes big, right? Exactly. Yep. So, how did the publishing process go for you? 
Uh, it was very uh, long and, and tough. I, um, I was, I, I've been shopping my book uh, to several uh, publishers and, you know, who, who have published lowbrow art before, but in the form of pictures, you know, coffee table books, etc. cetera. Uh, but mine's not a coffee table book. Actually, there's no pictures in my book. It's, it's just all stories and words. Which Samuel and, was very upset that there were <laughs> pictures in your book. He's like, there's just words. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, audiobook is in the works, okay? Oh, good. That's how I normally listen to most of my books anyways. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm marketing my book and I'm basically saying, come on, man you know, uh, lowbrow art has now surpassed, it is, is no longer underground, it's now mainstream. With, with Robert Williams being uh, in the Whitney Biennial and the permanent collection of that, Mark Ryden, you know, having museum shows and Camille Rose Garcia, can we really still call it underground art at this point, right? Can we still really call it lowbrow art when it is now becoming the mainstream art, right? And then the next question I asked them is like, well, how come no one's ever written a book about this, guys? You know, um, yes, there's documentaries, there's, there's um, uh, coffee table books and, uh, you know, catalog resumes of artists, but not a real history book. And my pitch was, wouldn't you want to be the publishing house that, publishes the first history book on this movement. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't blame them. I'm a very niche market uh, and they probably weren't going to sell too many books, which is fine. So I ended up self-publishing. And you self-published through Amazon? I self-published through Amazon. Yeah. How, how was the uh, process with that? Whew. Uh, there, there's a lot of learning. So since now I am the publisher, I had to learn how to get a barcode, mm -hmm. how to copyright my stuff, how to use Amazon's proprietary software to upload my, my book. And, and it, it took a while, it took a while for me to, to learn. Um, there is a silver lining though, uh, now that the book is out, right? Uh, there's this publisher in the UK that seems to be interested for being the publisher for volume two. So oh, nice. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, one of those chicken and egg situations, right? Uh, you know, when you're fresh out of college, no one wants to give you a job because you don't have experience. Yeah. Right. And then, well, how do I get experience if you're not going to give me the experience? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, when I first published my book, I accidentally made it like a huge, like uh, textbook. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was trying to get about the same size as yours. Uh-huh. And for some reason I it because I was having difficulty with the the it was a whole learning curve because you yeah you kind of like see some videos, but there's not you have to like physically read everything. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't very it's not as user friendly as I think they know no. it is. And, and again, that's the stuff that a publisher would deal with. Uh oh, so to answer your question, how come there's no pictures in my book? Right? <laughs> Yeah. So the hurdle of publishing alone was enough for me, right? Uh, now, for me to put pictures in my book, I would have to get releases from the artist and legal fees and all that stuff, which I did not have. So 
hopefully with uh, a real publisher for volume two, then, you know, we can have some pictures in the book. Well, that's exciting. Um, and then how long did it take you to write the book? Eight uh, years. Eight years, okay. Yeah. Uh, so mind you, I had a full-time job while writing the book. So, and I have two kids. <laughs> so I, I only had my lunch break to write the book mm -hmm. and possibly some weekends to write, you know, to write. But so that's why it took so long. So. I mean, I'm surprised you were able to even write a book with two kids and a full-time <laughs> job. So it's amazing. Yeah, well, you know, I got help from my wife, so. <laughs> and then are you still doing the blog? No more. So my website is now basically just a place to buy the book. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I, the blog has been off for about five years now. Um, and, you know, and, and now it's just the store. Okay, what made you switch just because you were... Um, yeah, just because, uh, you know, I didn't want to, why buy the milk when you can have the cow for free situation? Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and then for like the, is there certain artists that you still are interested in writing about? Uh, absolutely, me? a lot. Uh, my only rate limiting factor here is my time and the artists um, uh, willing to participate. I mean, now that I have a book behind me, uh, hopefully some people might take me a little bit more seriously and, and actually read my emails and open my emails uh, and, and be willing to engage in a conversation, um, you know, for future books. Uh, you know, one thing I do want to point out is my, my book, I don't try to be, I'm not trying to define the movement. Uh, I don't know what, you know, the elements of the movement are, what makes something lowbrow, what does it, right? Uh, I'm interviewing the artists and I'm asking them these questions and I'm letting them speak for themselves. And the hope is in, in the future, 50 years from now, when, you know, uh, Shad paintings and Tim Biscuit paintings are going up for auction at Christie's, uh, you know, some PhD who's studying art history is writing about the movement. Hopefully, they'll use my book as their reference. That's, mm -hmm. that's the big goal for me. For volume two, do you already have the artists that you want to interview lined up? I, I do. I, I already have the five lined up. Um, unfortunately, I can't tell you right now because nothing's like set in stone yet. Uh, I'm holding out for this one big fish uh and i i hope they say yes and and, and get them in volume two mm -hmm. i can't imagine an artist not wanting to be oh you'll be surprised <laughs> i am surprised that they don't want to be in in a book because like, it's they not like they had to write it yeah i know right i'm only asking like three hours of your time or something <laughs> you just I answer wonder, questions <laughs> yeah, yeah i wonder if they think like you're <clears throat> spam or like too good to be true because if someone emailed me and was like i want to write a book about you i'd be like okay who really are you? Me? how much money do you want <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it could be that too it could be that you know mm -hmm. uh, but yeah but so hopefully you know they'll say yes 
So the interviews only take about three hours? Uh, the initial interview takes three hours and then there's a lot of follow-up interviews, right? Okay. Um, so here's the thing, before I even get to the interview part, there's about six months of research of me reading everything about this artist, every interview they've ever done, uh, and writing my own notes and coming up with my own questions. And then I interview them to, you know, just kind of facilitate the, the conversation. But then there's always lots of like, hey, can you clarify this? The timing on this wasn't clear. So a lot of follow-up interviews. What's your favorite definition that one of the artists have given you about lowbrow art or like the movement? Um, I, I like Shag's definition. There's definitely an element of humor. They're, it, they're very illustrative, cartoon-like images. Um, and, and, and to me, I, I like that. I, I, I think that does kind of sum up the movement. Uh, Robert Williams said that uh, his, his goal for the movement was to elevate cartoon art. And I think all of these artists do do that. They do elevate the cartoon image to a much higher level. Um, if you look at the, if you read the Shag chapter and, and you look at Shag paintings, they're very cartoon-like. There's always like a, a, a gag or a joke in there somewhere. Uh, but at the same time, once you read his chapter, you're going to realize why he was painting like this. And there are actually very serious messages behind his paintings. So I think that's a classic, you know, uh, he did really elevate um, the cartoon image. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and, uh, and I, I think that's one of my favorite uh, definitions. Okay. Do you um, own any original pieces I, from the artist? I do. Uh, behind me is a, is a Miles Thompson. Uh, I do have some of uh, Shag and Tim Biscop's uh, pieces. Um, there's other people I, I collect as well. Uh, but unfortunately, I, you know, I haven't gotten around to them, you know, to ask for their, if they can be interviewed or if they have time. So, but yeah, I, if I could just do this as my retirement job, I'd love it. <laughs> well, have you been, have you been asked to do any lectures or, cause you're almost one of the, would, would be one of the experts in this, um, um art period yeah well well thank you for that but not yet no no okay so you know i'm here you can call me <laughs> Just I'll pick up the, the phone um yeah and the, the, you know it's, it's interesting you brought that up uh coming from an academic background um i approach the book in a very academic fashion so although i don't have a phd in art um I kind of put myself like, okay, if I were in the PhD art history program, and I'm, this is my dissertation, how would we do it, right? Well, you got to interview the source, mm -hmm. right? You got to go to the main source. So then I just started interviewing these people and just writing about them. And one thing I think the artists found refreshing is they become jaded with the media sometimes because the interviewer kind of comes at the interview and they already wrote the interview in their head. I'm just interviewing you just, you know, for formality, but it's already written in my head, you know, 
Uh, I already know you have mom issues and that's what the article is going to be about. It's about your mom issues. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just for example. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then, you know, the article comes out and then they're a little disappointed. You're like, you know, they're like, well, what, you know, why did you make it about my mom? It wasn't about my mom. Um, but the way I approached it is, Hey man, I'm a blank slate. I'm here to ask you questions. I don't know where this is going. Let's just go. And then throughout the years, as I'm kind of piecing the stories together, then I'm seeing the connections. Then I'm making my hypothesis after the fact, right? So I, I came with it a very academic and almost, you know, scientific point of view. And um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that is a good thing and people don't see it as a, as a bad thing, that I'm an outsider trying to, to get into the art world here. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it, the book is received. Well, it is interesting um, because if you are, or if you were an art history major, you might have those similar tendencies as the media to mm -hmm. come at it from a different, from having this idea of what the movement is rather than, like you said, you're completely unknown. You don't have any expectations of what the yeah. movement is. So I, I think that's an interesting perspective to be an outsider looking in, especially yeah. you not being an artist too. You don't have mm -hmm. your own concept behind your art. Mm -hmm. Also filling into what you think that these artists are doing with their art. Exactly, exactly. So you know, hope, hope only, only time will tell and only history will tell on, you know, how the book is received, but that hopefully that's my goal. Mm -hmm. When did the book uh, first publish? Uh, the book has been out for a hundred days now. Okay. Uh, so uh, late July is when it came out. And do you also have an ebook as well with it? I, yeah. So I have, it's available on ebook. Uh, for $9.99 on Amazon. It's available as a print book uh, for $23.99 on Amazon. Or you can buy it on my website to, you know, if you buy it from my website, of course, I'll, you know, sign it and, you know, write a dedication or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. uh, share your website with our listeners. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's a mouthful, <laughs> uh, but it's lowbrowliterati.com. Um, and, and when I was right, starting, I know, when I was starting my website, I actually have a friend who runs a very successful website. Um, and, and he was kind of giving me advice. He's like, you need to make it like short and pithy, you know, like lowbrow literati is really a mouthful. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's your call, but I'm just, I'm just kind of like letting you know. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Uh, but I just fell in love with that alliteration, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you, you got lowbrow, which is like a knuckle dragger and Neanderthal. And then you got literati, someone who's well read, like, how can those two things exist? That doesn't make sense. And to me, it's funny. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could always just have that be the main, uh, like, heading for the website and you could have links or like, small that's true. I could buy like uh, other domains and it'll just filter it to that. Yep. Yeah. That helps because then you could be like, oh, well, you just type in www.lb, 
n.com yeah. and, and the initials yeah. <laughs> and you're also on, on instagram as well yes i am so my instagram handle is uh lowbrow underscore literati yeah and then i have a facebook literati. page literati. literati yeah yeah can you spell it uh just uh, l-i-t-i-r-a-t-i yeah. Nice and slow. I like it. That's yeah, something yeah. I could <laughs> follow. Um, I felt like you're giving of a test, Katie. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, can you spell it? Can you spell your own word? <laughs> Samuel, any closing words? I got no closing words. Uh, Fritz, is very nice to meet you. Um, it's super interesting. I've, to be able to have no understanding of lowbrow or that kind of movement mm -hmm. to have all this more like knowledge on it it's really neat i'm i'm i found it fascinating i'm, I'm glad i'm glad oh and, and one more thing i did want to say um you know even though you're not interested in art maybe you're not like an art person you know when you read the biographies of all these artists and i, and I know a lot of your listeners are probably artists uh, up-and-coming artists and stuff one thing you notice about all of these guys is they all took a risk. They all invested in themselves. And I think whether you're an artist or not, that's a good take home message. Like that's very inspiring that you should really invest in yourself and take a risk. Right. Um, and, and, and be true to yourself and not, not sell out, you know, to, to money or to the big guy. Right. So I don't know. Um, I think even if you're not interested in art, it's still a good read. Awesome. I love that ending message here. I think that's important for uh, artists to hear. Uh, to just, when you say invest in yourself, do you mean um, money or just taking the time to pursue your own art or? I, I think like both. Uh, so, so to give you an example, so one of the artists, Derek Yaniger, he worked for Marvel Comics, doing very, very well. He, then he switched to Cartoon Network and was an animator, doing very, very well. But his real passion was this tiki thing, okay? And you know, Cartoon Network's not gonna let him draw tikis all day. And so he decided to invest in himself. And he quit his job, his stable job, making lots of money at Cartoon Network, and became a freelancer. And, and basically drawing tikis for other people, right? And himself. And so to me, he took a financial risk by taking away that steady paycheck. And then he took an artistic risk. It's like, you know what? That's not what I wanna draw. This is what I wanna draw. And so he invested in himself. Tim Biscuit. Uh, who became very popular for drawing mid-century modern characters and beatniks and all that stuff. He wanted to switch it up. He was going through a rough patch. He was going through a divorce. He didn't want to paint happy stuff anymore. So he started painting a little bit darker stuff. And the galleries are going, dude, uh, can you go back to the old stuff? And he's like, but that's not who I am anymore. I've moved on. And instead of caving into the financial pressure, like, well, let me, let me just do one more show or, you know, that's the happy beatnik guy. 
he said, no, no, that's not who I am. I'm going to draw this thing and I'm in a dark place right now. And this is what I'm going to draw. And he lost gallery support and he was silent for years. He was selling his, his own art for years, but then it paid off. Um, he, he had a show uh, where he drew this gigantic, you know, piece. I can't even tell you how big the piece is. And the, sh the piece was like a hundred grand and it sold before the show even opened. Oh my gosh. Oh, right? Who cares if you don't sell any other paintings for the rest of the year, you got your year covered. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's good for artists to know, to just yeah. stay true to what you want to do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, let us know when volume two comes out because I'm sure we'll love to re-interview you and get a fresh perspective on the interviews that you conduct and see who they are because at the moment we don't know, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I'm a fan of your show, so thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thanks for being on. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you.